and welcome back to KHN's What the Health. I'm Julie Rovner, Chief Washington Correspondent for Kaiser Health News. I'm joined by some of the best and smartest health reporters in Washington. We are taping this special edition on Monday, June 29th at 2 p.m. As always, news happens fast and things might have changed by the time you hear this. So here we go. Today we are joined by a video conference by Alice Olstein of Politico. Hello, good afternoon. <laughs> and Jen Abercorn of the Los Angeles Times. Hi, Julie. And before we dig in, a note about our schedule. We are taking this week off for the regular podcast because it's a holiday week and we've all been working crazy hard. But we wanted to update you on today's Supreme Court abortion ruling because we've spent so much time talking about this case. Now we finally have a decision. So in a five to four ruling, the court ruled that Louisiana's law requiring doctors who perform abortions to have hospital admitting privileges is unconstitutional. Because, said Chief Justice John Roberts, who was the swing vote in the case, it's exactly like the Texas law the court struck down in 2016 and, you know, precedent. All I can say is this was not the decision that I had on my bingo card. This was the point at which abortion opponents could finally count to five, meaning in theory they had the votes not just uphold the Louisiana admitting privileges law, but to overturn Roe v. Wade entirely. In fact, 200 members of the House and Senate filed a brief in the case asking the court to do exactly that. And yet, not yet. What happened here? You know, I think the skepticism that some anti-abortion activists had about John Roberts fully came to fruition. You know, there was a little quiet uh, worry that Roberts would do something like this if he got four other conservatives on the court and they had a possibility to make a decision whether on Roe or or a case like this. And um, I think the the anti-abortion groups today are very frustrated in John Roberts um, because Gorsuch and uh, Kavanaugh, the two Trump appointees, did what you know an anti-abortion activist or a re- traditional Republican would expect, and John Roberts did not. Yes, I've seen a bunch of statements from conservative groups calling it a betrayal and saying he's a so-called conservative, and also saying that this is a sign that they need to double down on their efforts to turn out conservative voters in November to ensure President Trump's re-election, to ensure the appointment of even more conservative judges. But I think on the ruling, it was really interesting that Roberts did not fully join the liberals' opinion. He wrote his own concurring opinion, and he sort of tried to distance himself by saying, look, I still think the Texas case about a very similar abortion law four years ago, I still think that was wrongly decided, but it is the precedent, and therefore it's binding, and we need to strike down this law. So there was this weird dance there, but it didn't satisfy or mollify uh, conservative groups. Basically, the way I read it is Robert saying, you know, if I were sort of deciding my personal view, it, I would be with the conservatives, but I am sort of deciding I'm respecting the court more than I am respecting my personal view, which does seems to not, not make anybody very, very happy about this. Julie, I think you're totally right because you have the groups that support abortion rights saying, you know, this was a great ruling, but we're still not confident in John Roberts. And if anything, you know, John Roberts has proven he's the swing vote now on this and many other issues, frankly, before the Supreme Court. And Alice, to your point, I think both sides 
are now going to use this decision to only reinforce their point that the 2020 election matters. In fact, Marjorie Dannenfalser, a anti-abortion activist at Susan B. Anthony List, tweeted, whoever appoints the next justice wins, essentially. And, and I think that's going to be a really important point that we're going to see both sides of the abortion debate really talk about for the next few months. Although, if the next justice who gets appointed is, rep- is you know, going to be one of the liberals, um, there would still, in theory, be five anti-abortion votes. Right. I think this really shows that it depends on the case. And if an abortion law concerning something the Supreme Court has not debated and ruled on already came forward, it's not clear that Roberts would side as he sided today because he leaned so heavily on the Supreme Court's recent precedent. If a case came forward about a different abortion issue, not admitting privileges, but something else, he could say, look, there is no binding precedent on this. Therefore, you know, I'm going to go with the conservatives. So one thing that the court could have done today but didn't do was to rule that abortion clinics couldn't sue on behalf of their patients, something the court has allowed pretty much since the earliest days of abortion litigation. How big a deal would that have been? And is anybody surprised that they uh, they didn't go with that? There was the, the Louisiana stepped in fairly late and said, well, we don't think these you know abortion clinics have standing to sue because they're, they don't have the same interests as their patients, which kind of surprised a lot of people. It would have been a huge deal. And I think that the progressives are concerned that there were four votes to strip away that access to courts because the vast majority of all abortion litigation all around the country is brought by providers, not by individual pregnant patients who are denied abortions. I mean, these cases take years and so much resources to fight in courts. An individual pregnant person who is denied an abortion, you know, one might not want to become the face of such a lawsuit, but also might not have the means to do so. And that's why you have groups like the Center for Reproductive Rights, which brought this case, or Planned Parenthood brings a ton of cases and fights them in court because they have the sort of institutional resources to do so. But I think all four of the uh, dissenting conservative justices said today that they think that there is a conflict of interest, that abortion providers can't bring cases on behalf of their patients when the issue is over these regulations on their work. Although, I mean, in this case, the the regulations were ostensibly on health and safety, but four years ago, in the case that is still controlling, the justices said there were no health and safety benefits to these regulations. So it becomes a, how do you, not so much how do you view the standing of the abortion providers, but how do you view the legitimacy of the regulations? Um, This is clearly going to go on, but I want to talk about politics. Jen, you sort of lean towards that already. In general, the losers in abortion cases get a bounce because it's easier to mobilize people who are angry than people who are happy. Um, But I'm wondering if given everything else that is going on with this year's election, will this case make that much of a difference politically? I know you mentioned the Susan B. Anthony list, but they had already, you know, said they were going to put millions of dollars and and hundreds of thousands of door knockers out into the field for President Trump anyway. I mean, is this is this going to give a boost to people? You know, I, I I think you're right, Julie. I mean, I feel like the abortion politics is already turned up to a nine or a 10. And with so many other things happening in the world, it's a little hard to see that it's going to get any bigger. That said, um, a Supreme Court decision does have the power to elevate things. And if anything, I think conservatives are 
going to get the bump out of this one because they traditionally care more about the Supreme Court and it was a decision against them. That's my read right now. I mean, we're still several months away. And I mean, you know, five months ago, we weren't, you know, really yet talking about coronavirus and look look at how things have changed. So I, I feel like it's a little early to know, but I, I, I see the bump on the conservative side right now. Well, I, I think that's right. And I think that, um, you know, whipping up people around this decision is something both sides are definitely going to engage in. And it's something that conservatives have traditionally been more successful at. But I did see in all of the progressive groups and statements that came out about the decision really emphasizing just how precarious abortion rights are and the fact that this was a 5-4 decision and the fact that Roberts only sort of joined not a full-throated endorsement, but a sort of a dance around that left the door open for some for some future rulings. I think that they're really emphasizing just how fragile uh things are and just how easily abortion rights could be chipped away at even further than they already have been. But that's a hard message. That's a harder message than I think conservatives will have. It's a more nuanced message. It's a we won, but um, that said, conservatives have also been really angry and disillusioned by a bunch of recent Supreme Court rulings, including by President Trump's own appointees. And so I think the message gets muddled on that side as well if they feel like they can't confide in the people that Trump appoints to be reliable votes on certain issues. And there are other abortion cases already in the pipeline, right? I mean, this is... So many. (laughs) So many. (laughs) Dozens and dozens. The Center for Reproductive Rights, who argued this Louisiana case, said today that they are fighting 30 other cases currently. Planned Parenthood uh, noted that there are um, more than a dozen that are just one step away from the Supreme Court right now. I think... As we've seen the Senate just go completely all in on confirming judges, you know, the Supreme Court gets all the attention, but hundreds now of Trump appointed judges are at lower federal courts and are really remaking how those courts are treating a bunch of issues, including abortion. Um, I mean, we've seen the Ninth Circuit get a lot more conservative recently, the Fifth Circuit. So tons of these are impacting uh, what's going to happen on abortion in the coming years. So I know we were going to limit today's show to just the abortion decision, but obviously there was Affordable Care Act news came out after we taped last week. And it's related to what we've just been talking about. The Trump administration filed its opening brief for the case the justices will hear this fall, challenging the existence of the health law. And to absolutely no one's surprise, uh, the Trump administration called for the law to be struck down in its entirety. Given that Chief Justice Roberts seems to want to protect the integrity of the court above all, does that suggest what he might do in that ACA case as well? It definitely could. I mean, uh, uh, I think we've learned, you know, it's very hard to predict what the Supreme Court is going to do. But if you look at this situation, Roberts ruled himself to uphold the ACA just a couple years ago. And what he said in today's ruling was that that really matters. So it is very hard to see him, you know, coming up with some kind of way to flip his vote. And yeah, I mean, that 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 seems to be enough reason for me to be highly skeptical of of a Roberts vote to now strike down. Yeah, that, that was sort of my feeling. Too. I mean, it's one thing to say, 
I think we should uphold a precedent that I didn't vote for. But when it comes to the ACA, he's now upheld it twice. It wasn't just that original right. decision, but but the the one in uh, in 2014. And he's already garnered the scorn of conservatives for that one. So to garner the scorn of the other side and have a, an important flip on your record seems um, puzzling to me. And doing that a few months before a major election when when he's already spoken so much about his concern that right. the court is viewed as like a political entity so that i i mean he also if we really want to read the tea leaves he also made a really interesting uh comment in his other ruling today about a completely unrelated issue but he said on uh the issue of severability that he thinks that a piece of a law that is repugnant can be severed without eliminating the entire law he very well might say the same about the Affordable Care Act uh, and the individual mandate. Yes, we will. Well, we, of course, we probably won't see the decision until after the election, but we're likely to see the case uh, before the election. All right. Well, that is our show for today and for this week. I hope everyone has a happy, socially distant fourth. As always, if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review. That helps other people find us too. Special thanks, as always, to our intrepid producer, Francis Yang, who makes us sound okay, even when we're all in different places. Also, as always, you can email us your comments or questions. We're at what the health, all one word, at kff.org. Or you can tweet me. I'm at Jay Rovner. Jen? I'm at Jen Hab. Alice? At Alice Olstein. We will be back in your feed the week of July 6th. In the meantime, be healthy. Be healthy.